is the Jesus music for the streets. You are officially tapped into King Legend Talks Artist of the Week. Here I'm talking and he capping like he tough, yeah. I stay humble, but I really had enough, yeah. Hit him in the mouth with truth and shut him up, yeah. Holy angels sent from God will get a touch, yeah. I hear preaching when my heathen run it up, yeah. Whooping demons to the screaming, cut him up, yeah. Serving Jesus in the deed is booted up, yeah. Lay him down with the gospel, hit him up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Posted in the trenches in the mud, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you thought that it was, yeah, yeah. I would never shut up just because yeah, yeah, yeah. Preaching to the set that blood and cup I ain't even trying to flex When I'm digging in your chest Jesus died and rose from death Read the gospel and learn the rest Stuck in sin, he paid the debt Pay him homage and be blessed After like the one to guess Knowing now that's real success Only speaking truth on the real Call that wordplay I don't move by feelings, only faith What the words say Preaching on a Sunday, I ain't sleep since it was Thursday Face to face with Satan's home It hit up was that word rain here I'm talking and he capping like he tough, yeah. I stay humble, but I really had enough, yeah. Hit him in the mouth with truth and shut him up, yeah. Holy angels sent from God will get a touch, yeah. I hear preaching when my heathen run it up, yeah. Whooping demons to the screaming, cut him up, yeah. Serving Jesus in the deed is booted up, yeah. All right, everybody, it is it's your boy King Legend 757. I got the one and only E.I. the King in the building. How you feeling today, my brother? I'm doing good, G. Hey, it's an honor to be on here. Thank you for having me, bro. Blessings, King. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's an honor to have you here, man. How does it yeah, feel? Bro. You out, parole <laughs> free? Come on, man. Let's talk about it. Go yes, ahead sir. and release some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, man, praise God for freedom. Um, I tell people all the time, man, like, I feel normal now, you know, being free, because I've been home for, like, going on 17 months. But parole is kind of always like a dark cloud hanging over you. Just because, like, when you win the chain game, you always hear these horror stories of guys getting out. And in Florida, we don't got parole. We got, which is CRD. Same thing as parole. Long story short, any small violation will send you right back to prison. And you got to do the rest of your, like, good time in prison. So you always Ouch. see all these crazy horror stories of people getting sent back for just no reason. There's, like, petty reasons. So I trust right. God in his favor. But it's still always just like those restrictions over you. You know what I mean? Preventing you from travel. You got the parole officer coming to your door at five o'clock in the morning. Right. You know what I mean? Just checking in every month. So just praise God for being fully free. You know what I mean? So this is the first time in a long time, bro, that I've been fully, fully, fully free. So I praise God. Praise Absolutely. God for freedom, man. And a lot of people will never understand what that feels like to really be walking on thin ice. Where it's yeah. like we're we're waiting for you to mess up because if you mess yeah. up, you're going right yeah. back, and you know what I'm saying. So yeah. just processing all of that. Um, let's let's go back to the beginning. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I really want people to really get to know who you are and really get to know your story. That's my that's my whole goal of this of interview that we're doing right now. So take me back to the roots, man. Take me back to the youngin. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. young mentality. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so man, long story short, bro, I was uh, I was raised by my mother, man. I was born in Houston, Texas. My mother divorced my father when I was three. Took me and my sister from Houston here to Florida, and had a pretty good upbringing, bro. My mother was a single uh, mother, hard worker, so she was working all the time. My grandmother pretty much raised me and my sister, but I wasn't like immersed in poverty. You know what I mean? I'm not from the hood. We from the burbs. We from Sarasota County in Florida, South Venice, which is the burbs out here. And as a kid, man, I was a good kid. 
you know what I mean, as an athlete, but I grew up, you know, without my father being present and not seeing it then, but obviously as I began to process it when I got older, I think that just psychologically always made me feel less than or rejected and made me always look for fulfillment, right? Especially like in older, like, you know, uh, men, you know, when it comes like father figures. Uh, so as a kid, I grew up with a short man complex. I was the smallest kid in every grade, smallest kid on the football team. But that led me to be super outgoing. I was always a natural leader, natural communicator. So I was a leader of the football team every year, you know, really aggressive. But it also led me to fight a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, as a kid, man, I was good. I was focused. Uh, but I started getting attracted to the street life when my homeboy's older brother was a dope boy. And I seen how much clout he had in the street and how much respect he had and how everybody followed him. And I think that was the first taste of me being attracted to the streets, plus hip hop culture. Long story short, by the age of 13, man, I started smoking weed, drinking, fighting a lot. And uh, that just led me to spiral out of control, bro. I was an eligible wow. to play football in high school. And I started getting arrested, you know what I mean? Expelled from school, second chance school, in a lot of juvenile programs. And I was at first in the streets, bro, selling dope at a young age. And um, just throwing my life away, dog. And by right. that time I was 18, I went to prison. When my graduating class was, you know, walking down, getting their diplomas. Mm -hmm. At the age 18, I was already walking down prison hallways, you know, going to wow. prison my first time at 18. So that's where it all started at, bro. You know what's interesting about that? You said you really didn't have to live that lifestyle. You were right. more drawn into it, mm -hmm. you know, just because you've seen the way someone that had street cred was mm -hmm. living. And so that kind of lured you into that lifestyle where you didn't even have to live it. So from that kind of perspective, once you got into it, was it everything that it was cracked out to be? Oh, yeah, not at all, man, of course. But I mean, as a kid, though, when you in the midst of it, bro, I think honestly, though, I'm going to keep it a buck. Honestly, like, yo, I love the street life. You know what I mean? Like the the good side of it to where that's not the whole story. And that's what the industry promotes. And that's what people are attracted to. They're attracted to the good side of it, what looks appealing. So whenever you see all this money that you can make or whenever I'm a young kid and I'm trying to keep up with the older dope boys or the clout or the prestige, you know, that you get from the street, the recognition, the acceptance, all of that looks cool. And that's the good side of it. But that's not the whole story. And the right. whole story is the back end. You know what I mean? Whenever you get flipped and you're doing years in the chain gang and everybody forget about you. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Everything that you had, you don't got nothing to show for. You miss your kids growing up while you in prison. You know what I mean? All the drama, all the chaos, the friends that die. I mean, all the conflict. That's the whole side of the story. So in the midst of it, yeah. Like when you're in the process, of course, it's fun. It's entertaining. That's why people get caught up in it. Right. But that's only a portion of the story. You know, now, did you feel like you had to prove yourself a little bit more because yeah. you was from the of course. suburb? Yeah, yeah like, of course. You had to let them know what was up. Yeah, and a white, too. Yeah, of course. Bro. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So um, now let's talk about, you know, getting into the to the situation where it became life changing in a bad way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Getting in trouble, things like that. Um, What was that first moment where you was like, yo, I'm stuck? Like this yeah. ain't. I knew I could. I, I thought I was good, but like, nah. I think I really just messed up. Everyone has that moment where it's like, that I'm gonna have to eat this one. I really messed up this time. So, what was that moment for you? Yeah, yeah, man. Sadly, bro, I would say I've had a gang load of those a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Starting from like, I think the first big one I had when I, like I said, I went to prison the first time at 18, and I remember I got in a fight my first day in prison at JIT camp, and I went to confinement. 
And I remember like being like in my cell, like my baby mama's pregnant with my twins at this time, 18 years old. And I remember I'm in confinement, bro. My first time in prison, my first day. And I remember just looking in the mirror in the confinement cell and just looking at myself. And just mm-hmm. like actually like it registered in my mind as like a young man, like what am I doing with my life, bro? You know what I mean? Like I'm throwing right. my life away. So that was a big one. But I would say I think the biggest one was this last sentence. Uh, I woke up in the hospital, bro, uh, from a severe car accident. I was in a high-speed chase. I accidentally hit a police officer with my vehicle during a high-speed chase, which caused me to be sentenced, you know, to a big bid. And the car accident was so severe, I lost all my memory. So I woke up in the hospital with a shattered femur, real jacked up from the uh, the car accident. And I woke up on con- like with no recollection of that night with police officers in my room handcuffed to a hospital bed. And mm. I remember waking up. And not knowing what happened, they told me that I hit a police officer with a car. Well, they didn't even tell me that. They told me I was facing a lot of time. Like, bro, you're going to get life. So I remember waking up, and that was like, I'm throwing my life. And that was the third time I was going to prison. So that was a huge moment for me to where, like, bro, I'm throwing my life away. What am I doing? That had to be scary because, like, I I just envisioned, like, waking up in the hospital. First of all, you're trying to process what just happened. And then you look, and you see your hands handcuffed to the bed. Bro. And you're like, yo, I need to know what happened because I don't know why I'm handcuffed to this bed right now. Yeah, and yeah. then when they started to tell you, I can only imagine how your your mind was processing that because because of the fact you didn't know what happened. Now everyone's trying to inform you what you did. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have to either accept, like, did I mm-hmm. really do that? Mm-hmm. That really happened? Like, am I dreaming mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. And and then it becomes a real reality when you're in the bars and and them doors close on you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So um take me through the the mentality you had, you know, after you got out of the hospital and you were really like, okay, this is setting in, like mm-hmm. your first day in on this type of charge. Yeah. Um I think because I went to prison, like I said, three times. So this that time right there was my last time, my third bit. Mm-hmm. Um so my first bid, I was 18, so I did two and a half years. And even though it's not that long, I was 18 years old. So that seemed like a lifetime for me, bro. And it's my first time in prison, so that felt forever. And then I went back to prison when I got out. Eight months after that, I did another two years. That was like a vacay because I was mm-hmm. used to prison. I went ahead, laid down for two years, and I came home. Then after six months of my release, I went back with that nine piece, mm-hmm. which was that bid, which I did seven years and eight months. And that was different because that's a big bid you know what i mean i was only 23 years old my kids were four years old and Mm. going into that prison sentence was different because i knew i was in there for like i mean you can't even say long haul like you can say it out here in society like oh i had seven years eight months nine years that's that's a long haul you know what i mean right here but you can't say that in the chain gang boys ain't coming home you know what i mean a long haul is like 25 at least 25 right you know but for me as a 23 year old man uh, going to prison, which I had to do seven years, eight months, day for day on a nine-year sentence, I knew I was going to be in there for a stretch, man. And uh, you don't think about coming home. You don't think about release. You just think about your everyday prison life and how you're going to survive and, you know, how you're going to navigate through prison, bro, because that's going to be your life for a while, right. you know? Right. So you really don't even plan about coming home until later on down the line, exactly. you know? So it was really just getting settled in, man. And I was already used to prison. I was already institutionalized. I already knew what time it was. Um, and I was just angry at God, bro, honestly. I was angry at myself. I was ashamed. I was disgusted. And uh, I was depressed, bro. 
You know what I mean? Real talk. I, I was suicidal them first couple months, bro, in the county jail. For real. I mean, that's what real life uh, um, prison would do to you. You know what I'm saying? It really breaks you down to your core. Um, yeah. You know, strip searches, getting cells raided all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, fights breaking out. I mean, it's everybody on survival yeah. mode. You don't yeah. know who you can trust. You know what I'm saying? You really trying to protect who you are as a person. I mean, in general, yeah. you know, it's a lot of factors that go into the mental aspect of prison. Um, take me through to that moment where, you know, God became the main core of your life. Yeah. While in that situation, like something had to have happened where you was like, I got to do better. I'm changing. Like, what was yeah. that moment for you? Yeah, man. Uh, I think a lot of times, man, people hear my testimony, right? And they can rightly assume that, like, I got saved this past bid, which has transitioned me home successfully now. But that is not the case whatsoever. Bro, I got saved 18 years old when I was going to prison the first time. So I always champion like, and I'm not proud of my unfaithfulness. I'm not proud of my backsliding. But, man, I boast in my weakness because I know God purposed that for my life. And not only a part of my growth process, but because I know that I can easily identify with other guys coming from the streets, trying to transition out of that lifestyle. And I can understand firsthandly the difficulty in doing so. So the reason why I say that is because I genuinely got saved at 18 years old in the county jail. I heard the gospel my whole life. I was never brought up in the church, but just like every other American, bro, like yo, I heard the gospel. You know what I mean? I remember like a neighborhood family at nine years old took me to church with them. They right. asked if anyone died tonight, if you know you're going to heaven, if not, raise your hand. I'm terrified. I raised my hand. <laughs> I prayed a sinner's prayer. And from that point on, you know, I thought I was saved. It wasn't genuine. It wasn't true repentance. But I had a fear of God. God would always send evangelists to me when I'd be on the block, when I'd be in the streets, minister the gospel to me. I read the Bible. I pray and when I was in juvenile programs. But my faith was never authentic. It wasn't genuine, like saving faith where I gave Jesus my all. Until I was 18 years old in the county jail, my celly was fighting a trafficking case and he got saved during that time he was waiting to get sent to prison. And uh, he, he was fasting all the time. I know he was fasting. He just never ate his trays. And mm -hmm. it's somebody I could easily identify with because he was an older cat and I knew he was that dude in the streets. So he had a voice. He had a voice in my life. I would listen to him. So it's like maybe my third night in the county jail. He sat me down. He shared a testimony with me and he had me read Matthew chapter six, verse 24. You know, it reads, no one can serve two masters. You either love the one, you hate the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, man, the spirit of God just removed the veil. And I realized that I wasn't saved, dog. Like, he wasn't my God. I didn't believe in Jesus. Like, my God was money. My God was myself. My God was this world. And I was already going to prison. My baby mom was pregnant. And I already did, you know, juvenile programs. I was already in and out of juvenile attention. I was broke and I was hurting. I was looking for fulfillment. And for the first time in my life, I saw my sin and I genuinely repented, bro, and committed my life to Jesus. Right. And that's when I was genuinely saved. But guess what? I got in the fight the very next morning. <laughs> you know? So I say that to say that fight the very next morning is a snapshot of how my growth process looked right. about my spirituality, my growth in Christ. I go to prison. God would sit me down. I'd be focused on him. I get out of prison. And I slowly begin to wrestle with sexual sin, not be plugged into fellowship and being discipled. And I just go right back to the streets every time, bro, and crash out. Right. And go right back to prison. So that was my process until this last bit. I'm so happy you shared that with us, man, because I can't tell you how many people, when they really accept God into their life, 
and they feel like they have to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they, the moment they get into their sin, then they throw in a towel, like you know yeah. what? This ain't this ain't for me, man. I tried it. Yeah. You know, I, I just ain't gonna ever make it like that. Right. But I love the fact that you broke it down because it's truly a process. Mm-hmm. And on the way, I, I will break it down in, in a more detailed sense. It's like we all start off like a baby when we yeah. first get saved. And we have to really grow and learn this walk. It's really a journey. And so as you become a Christian, you really dig into your word, you start to become more mature. And so the things that really offend God start to not sit well with you. But that's a growth process. It's a mindset change. Mm -hmm. That's why we got to renew our mind. And so by you really sharing that with us, it's important for people to know, like, yo, when you get saved, don't expect it to be a light Mm -hmm. switch. Like, don't, don't, don't expect it to be like, I was a heathen on Monday and then on Tuesday, it's all over. Like, I never was like that, you know. And so many people can get stuck into religion and they forget the relationship. Yeah. And so that's what it's really about. So when you really get saved, you got to build that relationship with Christ. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So many people, when they first get saved, they try to build a relationship with the church. Yeah. And they start looking at or the pastor. They mm-hmm. start looking at the deacon or the yeah. usher yeah. and all yeah. these other people in these roles. And they're like, Man, I ain't gonna ever be like that. You know what I'm saying? You start comparing yourself mm. to other Christians, of course. and we all are flawed in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. We've all made mistakes, but we all had to grow. So you got to give yourself that amount of time to really grow. Like, don't beat yourself up so bad where you won't even go to God and ask for repentance. Because mm. that's the number one trick of the enemy when he knows you is trying to make a change for the better. Uh. He said, "I'm gonna throw everything at you." Mm. And then I want you to feel like you can't even go to him and ask for repentance. That's right. the trick, you yep. know? So I'm happy you shared that because people deal with that on the regular every single day in this walk. Um, so now I want to say, like, like, I believe based on everything you told me, man, I, I really believe that the devil was attacking you your whole life. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way because you have a calling in your life. And I feel like the reason you went through these, uh, this process is because the devil really wanted you to not make it, bro. He really Amen. wanted you to be out of here because <laughs> what's going to happen with that process you've been through. Now you're going to be able to touch those souls that were once in your shoes. You know, the thing about, um, going through that struggle, this is what I always explain to people. That struggle is often for others. You yeah. thought it was for yeah. you. But it's really for other people because God can right. take you in that situation and use you to give hope to the other people and shine that light of Christ on them. And so now when you go and you explain things to people that was locked up, now you can relate to them in a way that nobody else can. Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of people, unless you've been in their shoes, they're not trying to hear you. They're not trying to hear you. You know, they like, man, what you know about what I got going yeah. on, man? You ain't never been yeah. in these shoes. And so now that you've been in that path you've been in those shoes so to say now you're able to reach a certain amount of people that other people don't have access to Amen. you get what i'm saying and so that calling on your life the devil really meant it for evil and god Amen. turned it into something good that you can really Amen. use to glorify the kingdom and i see Amen. that's what you're doing right now even into the music you know what i'm saying so keep that up number one bro because we Appreciate need it. people that's going to be bold that's unapologetically is going to share that truth. And that's the most loving thing you can do, man. Cause a lot of people, they don't understand how much love it takes to really share that gospel, to really share that Amen. truth, because you're loving on a soul, Amen. bro. Most that's people, 
ain't loving on nobody's soul. You're loving on a soul. You're not just Amen. looking at appearances yeah. or, or relationship or personalities. You're going beyond that. I care yeah. about your soul. Where you going to be when it's all said and done? That's what I really care about. So keep that up, man, because I really, really, really love to see other brothers in Christ that's really doing it like that. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to get you up here on this platform. Now, um, let's talk about the the good things that's happened in your life, the the other side of what it's like to be this saved, sanctified person, <laughs> redeemed. You know, we didn't went through the, the trenches. We didn't talk yeah. about the jail. Yeah. But let's talk yeah. about things outside of the cell. Of let's go. Of course. Yeah, man. So uh, while I was incarcerated, man, like I said in this last bit, um, God gave me vision, bro. And uh, like I didn't get to that point to where one of the first guys I was discipling this past prison bid, God really showed me my calling and my purpose throughout the last prison bid. And that's primarily to, you know, preach and teach the gospel. And not just formally, but just ultimately in discipleship. So God was using me all throughout my prison bid, you know, to plant different inmate-led churches and ministries at the prisons I was at. So God showed me that whole prison bid was just a missionary journey. So we was getting it in, bro. And that's where God really shaped me and developed me and blessed me with the opportunity to be discipled by a lot of mature men in the faith. A lot of guys had life sentences and just were on fire for the Lord and being able to watch them operate in their giftedness and seeing God begin to develop that in me, discipling other guys. So one of the first guys the Lord led me to disciple, who was like my right hand in ministry, when he got out, he backslid and was shot and killed. Mm. So through his death, God brought forth life. And I was up four o'clock one morning in the prison dorm, pacing, wrestling with God in prayer. And God, like I've always rapped, but it's never really been like a vision for me, like for like, that's my purpose. But God began to use me in prison to go in the middle of the cypress on the rec yard when everybody was rapping. They were talking about trapping and girls and all that. God would right. lead me to go in the middle of the cypress because all these guys are my homies anyway. I live life with them. I share the gospel, evangelize everybody. I go in the middle of the cypress, but I just slide with the gospel. And I see how effective it was with evangelism. So God began to show me that he was going to use music. But through my dog's death, that was his vision. That was his dream to get out and to use the gospel to reach the masses through music. And through his death, God gave me the vision for Block Hustle. And that was that God was going to establish the platform for music, ultimately to spread ministry. So God's blessed me with a huge opportunity, obviously, with the music. Uh, shout out to Dot Watson, RMG Amplify. I got picked up my third month out. Um, so God's opening up doors for music. But for me, music is cool. It's awesome. It's great. It's artistic expression of what God's done in my life, everything I've experienced, my pain, my hurt, what God's spoken to me, to minister to others, of course. But at the end of the day, music, for me, the whole vision and purpose, as I know God's establishing that platform for the sole purpose of ministry, because that's where God's leading me and is an ultimate call and purpose upon my life. You know, to disciple guys who are still actively in street life and street culture, help them find their purpose through faith in Jesus, be a model, example of that lifestyle before them and help them get out, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, man. That's that's so that's so important, man. And the, I think that one of the key things you said there was discipleship. You know, it's so much more to this walk than just the talk. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people, they really they accept Jesus into their life, but it's like, are you going to really become a disciple? Because that's also part of that maturity we were talking about earlier. And you are being a disciple through your music, through your testimony, and also. You know, just reaching different people, you have that goal to really out there and go out there and promote the kingdom. You know, um, what was that first performance like, man? Like, okay, you 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 was in a cell, you had this vision, 
And then you come out and it's like, wow, I'm really doing this. And mm. with, with Jesus on, on the inside of me, he guided me, he leading me. And now I got this performance. Take me through that first performance for you where it was like, wow, am I really a rapper now? Like, this is, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Honestly, bro, I think the more God continues to fulfill the vision of the vision he's given me and the more opportunity and it's beautiful to see, right? And I'm forever grateful and I forever give Christ Jesus all the glory. Right. I think God consistently is intentional with keeping me humble and having me focus on my why and my motivation, right? Because don't get me wrong, there'll be big performances. And I honestly, when you say that, I can't even think of like the first performance home. Why can't my first day out? Mm -hmm. I was performing at Cross of a Church when I shared my testimony. And, and that was beautiful, right? But the bigger the performances, and no matter how many people there are, that's cool and it's awesome seeing God use me, right? In that capacity and how it affects people. But God always takes the smallest things. I think that is the, are the purest and they motivate me the most. You know what I mean? Like whenever it'll be like an outreach, right. it'll be like an outreach in the hood and there'll barely be anybody. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And there'll be somebody who's like an active drug addict. You know what I mean? And you can see that they're high in the moment at this block party or whatever. And they're right. just crying while you're performing or while you're ministering and they're crying. And mm -hmm. like after you get off the stage and you can see them come up to you and this, you can see the spirit of God dealing with them and they're desiring to get out of their addiction, able to pray with them and love on them. So I think for me, man, like I want to always lean into like those motivation of why am I doing this? Don't get me wrong. It's awesome when God blesses me with the opportunity to perform and there's a lot of people in those moments. But for me, bro, like I think it's, it's the ministry aspect that drives me, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the stage is cool and be able to preach and to teach and to perform. Uh, but man, it's, it's the connection with the people, you yeah. know, after or before the fact. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's, that's what drives me, dog. I definitely get that, man. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, I don't care if you got a million people performing and only one person heard that message mm -hmm. and it was for them. That made it all worthwhile because if you hadn't done that and, and followed in the footsteps that God is guiding you, you wouldn't even have been there in that position to deliver that message. And so I think that's why it's so important because I don't want to sit here and talk about all of this stuff and, and just completely disregard the holy spirit and his play in all of this you know what i'm saying because the holy spirit truly will lead you and guide you and also give you the words to say when you don't even know what to say you be sitting up here like man i don't even know i just feel like i need to talk to this person <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know what i'm gonna say like why is this tug on my heart like this to talk yeah, to man. this person yeah, and then everything in you might be fighting you you be like man i don't know this person don't think i'm crazy i, yeah. I just really feel like God is telling me to go tell this person that he loves them. And I don't even know this person. And you might be going the complete opposite way. And you like, oh, I might miss my... And like, you start having conversations yeah. in your head sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's when it comes to really listening to the voice of God and really having that relationship to know it is God that's telling you, go talk to that person. That person is on the edge right now. God knows this person is ready to off themselves and commit suicide because they yeah. feel nobody loves them. And God is telling you as you walk into your busy day, go tell this person I love them. That's real. And then you can continue walking and you ignore that 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 calling that God is instructing you to do. But at the same time, when you do listen to that call and you go, now this person break down in tears. Mm. This person sitting here like, man. You just don't know. Like, I, I really <laughs> felt like nobody loved yeah, me. Like, yeah. I know. And then to that person, they know it was God. 
because nobody else could have known how they were feeling in that moment. And so that's how the Holy Spirit works. You really have to be tapped in to the Holy Spirit. And that's what my goal has been, man. All 2023, I've just been wanting to be tapped in more and more time with the Holy Spirit. So that way I'm able to hear his voice more because I know there's one thing, the Holy Spirit never gets it wrong. Ever. Never. Ever, ever. So (laughs) the majority of the time when we're not listening, it's because our flesh is fighting that. Because we may think we're going to look crazy. We yeah. might think like, okay, man, this, these people are going to look at me wild because mm. what am I doing right now? But at the end of the day, we're following the Holy Spirit. We're letting him lead, and he's never going to lead you down the wrong path, only the right yeah. path. And, yeah. and it's so important to know that, you know, Jesus came for the sick. So if you're in a position where you feel like I'm walking on that narrow road, then it's also your responsibility to help everyone that's on Broad Street Amen. that's really struggling. That's right. You know, right. we can't forget about Broad Street because we're so focused on the narrow road that's right. and we just disregard everybody else as laws. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. our reward is in heaven. And Amen. a lot of people forget that. They're thinking about all these natural blessings, these yeah. materialistic blessings. God is going to bless me. He's going to bless my finances. <laughs> He's going to bless all these things. Like, that prosperity <laughs> message sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. But the last time I checked, the uh, disciples, were they blessed or no? Uh, I'm just uh, saying, because the they went through the most. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, in my life, like the disciples uh, went through the yeah, most. Of course. And, and who, who am I to say they was not blessed? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we got to correct that picture in our mind where we're thinking blessing is equivalent to finances and mm. equivalent to big houses and big cars. God don't care about none of that. He really don't because you can't take it to heaven with you. You know what I'm saying? And and he don't get me wrong, he's gonna take care of your needs. Yeah. You get what, get what I'm saying? But there is a difference between needs and wants. Yeah. And a lot of people focusing on the wants and they have this selfish Christianity. Mm. They got this selfish relationship. When they pray to God, they're praying about self. They're mm. not praying about others. Yeah. And so that's a good question to ask yourself. Like when you pray, are you praying for others or is it only about yourself? Your health, your wealth. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm going? Because <laughs> a lot go. of people are doing this, man, on a regular yeah. basis. And yeah. so we have to really be, number one, true disciples. And we really got to be intentional about promoting the kingdom. You know, and, and that's really what it's about while we're here on this earth. And this music industry is so wicked. You know what I'm saying? It's really demonic at this point. And, and so many um, kids are being attacked. Their minds are being attacked. And um, that's one of the things that really drives me to push these um, music artists that are doing it for God, man, because Amen. we need the youth to understand that there is good music out there that you can listen to that is going to be good for your soul, mm-hmm. that's going to build you up, not tear you down, that's going to encourage you to do better and put God first. Amen. At the same time, it don't get Amen. no better than that. That's right. And then still be able to enjoy it. Because uh-huh. a lot of people got it twisted. They think this music trash. What? <laughs> Have you heard? heard? Uh, you know what sweet. I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what we're doing, man. We're trying to let people know what's up. We let them know what's happening right now uh-huh. in 2023. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And so I find that a lot of people actually want to know this. They're just uninformed because the industry has filtered everything they have in front of them. So when they turn on the radio, guess who not getting play? Huh. The 
Christian hip hop culture. Nobody's getting play that promotes the kingdom. Nobody's getting paid to play that promotes the gospel, the truth. But if you want to promote the devil, you want to promote sin, you're going to get all the play in the world. Yeah. And so what that does is it, it creates a gap between what's true and what appears to be popping. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we have to bridge that gap and say, Jesus is that bridge. And he's right. going to let, let, let everyone know this is what yeah. it is. This is the kingdom. Yeah. The kingdom yeah. of God is at hand. Uh, right? Okay. Praise so, God. So I, I mean, to go there, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't even go there. Preach, the preach, preach, bro. <laughs> preach, we bro. still know the interview, y'all. I just, preach, I just felt that I had to share that. I just felt that. But man, um, E. the King, man, let's go ahead. Tell the people what they can expect from you coming, um, up in the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months. What's your goals right now? Um, talk about entrepreneurship. Cause I know you're doing your thing with the Power Wash Company. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, man. Um, so first of all, man, uh, my first episode of the incarceration podcast just dropped last Friday. So I'm super excited about it. That's it right there. That's the logo. That's my, uh, that's my department of corrections ID right there, man. (laughs) So that's the logo for the podcast. You know, he authentic with it, y'all. He got his real ID up there. (laughs) That's the logo, dog. So that's the incarceration podcast. And, uh, all I do is talk about prison, man, pre post and present and how my incarceration has forever transformed my life. And um, so I'm super excited with that, bro. Uh, so that's on all the uh, podcast, anywhere you get podcasts, but especially I'm trying to lean into YouTube, but I also got another podcast dropping. So I'm gonna have two podcasts. So Ooh, the second, yeah, yeah. So the second podcast, the first episode should drop next Friday. And that's let me talk, bro. And that's more about my life. It's more like free flowing. And so it's got a lot to do with ministry a lot to do with music and just my perspective on things, man. You know what I mean? So like, yo, let me, let me talk, bro. You know what I mean? So right. that's what I talk. Yeah. So, uh, I'm excited for the pods. Um, my, uh, I'm, a, I haven't even released this yet. I'm gonna go ahead and release it here, bro. On the, on the talk show, G. Okay. You, bro. So I got, uh, the third EP, the incarceration part three, the wait is coming, man. This month, March 31st, Friday. So, Ooh, yeah, so we yeah. can't wait for that. Yeah, so definitely. I'm, I'm excited for the EP dropping, and um, there's a lot coming up, bro. Um, we're working on editing the documentary right now. So uh, I've been documenting my entire release. So the very first day of my release of getting out of prison, had a film crew there, and they've been documenting me throughout my entire journey home. And we're just trying to get an authentic, genuine inside look of not just my life as far as like the past where God's delivered me from, uh, Mm -hmm. but just the challenge and the difficulty of transition and as well as the blessing and the fun and the enjoyment of transitioning home outside of prison after a long time of being incarcerated and the transition home. So I'm super excited for the documentary, man. I know God's really going to use, and we we wanted to be as authentic as possible. Like all the failures, all the things I've been wrestling with, like we putting everything on blast. And we really just wanted to be an encouragement to guys coming home from prison because I know that's why God's been blessing me, man. My dogs who call me from prison all the time. My my highlight of every week is when my homies call me from the chain gang. Right. And that keeps me grounded. It keeps me tied to my why, my purpose. And I, I tell them all the time because they, they're excited, man. They're vicariously living through me because right. they was in there when I was rapping on the rec yard and rapping in the dorm and rapping in the chapel. And now they see God like fulfilled that vision. So I always remind them, like, bro, I'm nobody. I'm jacked up. We know this. But it's just the faithfulness of God 
right. upon our lives. You know what I mean? So I'm excited for the doc to give that same message and the same inspiration to others that despite where you come from with the challenges that you're facing, especially coming on from prison, bro, as long as we stay in the pocket, like in the will of God, obedient, surrendered unto him, bro, he's going to fulfill his vision. He's going to provide. He's going to open up doors, opportunities. And uh, I'm excited, man. And like you said, God's been blessed me with the uh, pressure washing company. So that's been taken off. So I'm excited with that, man. Entrepreneurship grind. And I'm trying to get into real estate. That's the next thing. All right. <laughs> man, he got so much going on right now. Y'all need to take notes. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited for you, brother, because I already know God is going to use you in such a major way. He's already been using you in a major way. Um, you just made me think about, you know, the people that's locked up behind bars right now, man. If they're listening on this, what would you say to them? You know, what words do you have for them? Yeah, I would say um, the waiting season is difficult. Man, I did over 12 years in prison, bro, and especially this last bit was my longest. And it was hard, dog. And obviously, if they're listening, they can, they can relate. They know. But I always correlate, you know, to the Psalms, you know, looking at David when he was in the cave running from Saul in fear of his life, or even just like in modern day, you know, culture, you ask an elderly person who's saved, when's the time that they drew closest to the Lord? They're not going to mention when they're on the mountaintop, man. They're going to mention when they were in the trenches. And now seeing the fruit of God fulfilling the vision he gave me while in prison, I look back and see the most painful, excruciating, difficult season of my life while throughout all those years incarcerated. That was not only a training ground where God shaped me and molded me, preparing me for the vision, but that's where God led me into a deep place of consistent intimacy with him. So my encouragement for anybody doing time would be not to forsake the season of the waiting and to know that that time of the ultimately just get desperate for Jesus and to not be so focused upon your release. Trust God will prepare you in due time to be wise and prepare, but to focus on the now, because in the midst of that prison dorm and that jail cell of that compound, God has an assignment for you right there in that moment, and God wants to use you there. So when you discover your purpose there and begin to walk in obedience while you're there, not only will God prepare you for your future, but he'll guide you with his peace and his joy in the midst of that season while you're still there. So that's what sustained me, bro. Wow, that's powerful, bro. That's real powerful. I thank God for you, man. You know, um, a, a lot of times when we go through struggle in our life, in that moment while we're going through that struggle, sometimes we we don't even know why. Like, we, we could have been doing a hundred different things. We'd be asking ourselves, why did I do that? You know, why why did I make that mistake? Why did I do all of these different things? And then, like, for an example, the struggle I went through when I was on a ventilator, I've been on a ventilator for 12 days. So I, I've been on on that on that side yeah, yeah. Of, of life yeah. and death when it comes to it. And that entire situation, just like Job, a lot of people could be like, man, you can blame God for that. You can go ahead and point the finger at God. Why would, you, why would he put you through all of that? You know what I'm saying? Your God can't be that loving. He put you through all of that mess. When I'm like, no, God didn't put me through all that mess. That was a test. Yeah. And, and, and one thing about tests is God will put you through that process and make sure you're prepared first, even when we don't even know it. So sometimes God will give you a test because he's going to show the devil how great he is. Because your test is going to glorify God. Yeah. And so the devil in the middle of that process, he's smiling, he's laughing, yeah. and he's like, hey, I got one, I got one. <laughs> now imagine how, 
how crazy he looked. Like, uh, God pull you out of that mess. <laughs> and he get all the glory. And he get uh. all the glory. The devil was so, so confident. He just knew he had you. Now he looks uh, stupid. He looked crazy. Uh, he over dumb. there looking dumb. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because God yeah. really pulled you out of that mess. And, and yeah. he thought it was a it was a short thing. You know what I'm saying? Just like when a football game, they say don't 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 say it's a dub until the clock hit zero. The devil uh, thought it was over. He's like, it's yeah. fourth quarter. Uh, it's thirty seconds left. I'm up by ten. <laughs> and God uh, took the whole game away, man. So. Amen. I just wanted to share that with y'all, man. God bless you for coming through here to the podcast today. I really do appreciate your time. And I know we're going to stay in touch, man, because I see God working in you. And I love the way the Holy Spirit leads. So wherever the Holy Spirit leads, that's where I go. That's where I'm at in my life right now. And if I don't see you in this life, I'm going to see you in heaven for sure. Most definitely. Hey, thank you so much for having me, bro. It's an honor, man. Love G. Stay faithful. You encourage me. It's an honor to be on, bro. Absolutely, man. God bless y'all. Everyone that's in here, make sure you go show this brother right here some love. Make sure you go check out his music, his new projects coming out, his documentaries coming out. If you need your your, your porch pressure wash, hit him uh, up for that too. Get at I mean, me, dog. All my real estate you. agents out there, go ahead and help my brother out right here because he's trying to get into the real estate game. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. so many things. Things going on right now, man. I just know God blessings gonna be all, all of it for you, man. So I appreciate you once again, my brother. Amen. Thank you for your love, Brody. Be a king and a legend, boy. That's a big one, huh? He ain't enough to just be a king. And you got the lion in the background, boy. You the dangerous guy, man. <laughs> you are put through the fire. The only thing that kept me going was I knew it was going to happen. I believe it was going to happen. Oh, I used to print out that list and I would put my name at the top. I would white out the person at the top and I'd put my name. And I would print out that list and I'd keep it in my pocket for the next four months. Until one day, the email that I got had my name at the top. See?